Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trinity Sermons here at Trinity Church Streetsville. This is our third Sunday of Advent and our third sermon from the series Advent Conspiracy. Today, we will hear about the third tenet of the Advent Conspiracy, which is called Give More. Enjoy the sermon today, and God bless. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and all the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word of flesh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone, and I want to welcome you to this, our third gathering of the Advent Conspiracy, or should I say, the Advent Conspiracy here at Trinity Streetsville. Um, You know, um, I was thinking, uh, conspiracy theorists, Uh, around the world or secret societies have been involved in changing the world in ways that we do not know. Some say that secret societies have been pulling the levers of political power for hundreds of years. Some say secret societies have overthrown governments. Some say they have even started wars. It may be impossible to tell all that conspiracy groups and secret societies have ever done. Why? Because they're secret, of course. They're secret. That's why you would never know. Uh, But here, the Advent conspiracy, we too are trying to change the world. By the way, does everyone remember the secret handshake from last week? Everybody, it's okay. It's secure. You can reveal that you know the secret handshake. A for Advent. Yes. Our, Our little movement is a little bit different. We're not trying to start any wars, but we are in the middle of a battle. Friends, we're in the middle of a battle. What are we doing? We're trying to save Christmas. 
That's right. We believe that, you know, Christmas for the most part here in Canada and mostly around the world has, uh, well, it's kind of lost its way. It's basically now about shopping, about spending money you don't really have on stuff that you, you don't really need. And we want to push back against that. We believe, we believe actually that Advent is the antidote to the modern chaos of the commercial Christmas. And so we have not one, not two, not three, but four core commitments and beliefs that we are sticking to this Advent season in order to resist uh, the influence of the commercial Christmas. You probably remember what they are, but let's just remind ourselves of them. First, we have vowed to worship fully which means that just at this time of year, when the world is speeding up and everyone's calendars are getting jammed up, we have decided we are going to slow down and we are actually going to declutter our calendars. We're going to decelerate our lives and we're going to de-stress. Why? So that we can put Jesus back into the center of our lives and back into the center of our Christmas celebration. That's how it starts. That's number one, worship fully worship fully. And then secondly, what we're going to do is last week we talked about we're going to spend less, spend less. Now, last week we heard that, you know, King Herod was hungry for power. He was hungry for possessions. Meanwhile, Jesus comes along and he's just trying to serve and he's sacrificing. And so we have kind of said, well, let's do the same. When it comes to our Christmas shopping, especially, let's spend less. Let's make a budget. Let's set a limit and let's spend wisely. In all those ways, we can spend less. Thirdly, we're going to talk about this one here today, give more, but let's just fast forward to next week. We're going to talk about loving all. That is what this whole movement is about. We want to love all. We want to make sure that the least and the last and the lost of our world, all of those people who desperately need God and desperately need help at this time of year are actually loved and cared for. And that is why we are taking up a big time Christmas offering here at Trinity Streetsville to support our community partners and to support our ministry to those who need it most. So that brings us to today, to today, where we are going to talk about what does it mean to give more? What does it mean to give more? It's a strange thing to say, I must admit, because how does one spend less on the one hand and give more on the other hand? Well, here's the thing. What makes a gift special It not the amount of money that we spend on it. Because we've all probably spent a whole lot of money on a gift that actually missed the mark. And then other times we probably spent very little on something and it was, you know, we just hit it out of the park. It was the perfect gift for that person and they're never going to forget it. Let me just give you an example. How many of you here are uh, familiar By the way, I have to apologize for my voice. I was singing Christmas carols way too loud on Friday night, and so I'm kind of losing my voice a little bit. But how many of you know the TV show, The Big Bang Theory? Do you guys remember that TV show? Yeah. So uh, in The Big Bang Theory, it's basically about this guy named Sheldon, who is a geek. He's a Star Trek fan. He is a, he's actually a theoretical physicist, I think. So he's brilliant, but he has a very low emotional intelligence, you might say. His EQ is very low, especially when it comes to women. Uh, and so that's why Christmas is so tough for him, because he has a friend named Penny. 
And Penny is an amazing gift giver. And Sheldon is puzzled and he's trying to figure out uh, how to reciprocate for her at Christmas. We're going to show you a little clip, but I just want to let you know, those of you who are watching online, because of copyright reasons, we're going to have to mute the clip, but we'll be back and the clip will be found in the chat so you can watch it later. There we go. So that's pretty funny, but let's ask the question. What happened in that scene? Here's what happened. Sheldon just realized that the quality of a gift has very little to do with the price of that gift. The gift that Penny gave him was incredibly valuable to him, obviously, and yet at the same time, it was completely inexpensive. It cost her basically nothing. All his gift baskets couldn't couldn't uh, compare. And so what uh, Penny did is she actually spent less, but she gave more. And this flies in the face of a lot of conventional thinking these days that says that if you spend more, then you're giving more. And if you spend more, you're even loving more, uh, but that's not true. Uh, Another cultural commentator, uh, Michael Scott, uh, says this. He says, presence are the best way to show someone how much you care. It's like this tangible thing you can point to and say, hey man, I love you this many dollars worth. The reason that sounds so hollow is because it is hollow. It's not true. In fact, I just wanted to share with you uh, this morning a few of the gifts that I have been given over the years, uh, from mostly from my family, and, uh, and they're pretty meaningful. And I think you're going to see that they're not necessarily that expensive. For one, um, a few years back, uh, m- my girls gave me this laminated little book. And in this book is a bunch of pictures of uh, our days when we lived on the hobby farm before we moved to Toronto. And, and Mississauga. So it's got all these wonderful memories. They've written their names. They've written little stories and drawn pictures just to remember our time at the farm. That's a pretty special gift. We've also got uh, an apron that one of my uh, daughters, I won't name them uh, because they'd probably be thoroughly embarrassed if I told them who was who, but they made me this nice apron at one point, which it barely fits me, just barely. Um, here's, a, here's a T-shirt that, uh, uh, well, there's a couple reasons why I probably don't wear this one a lot. Um, first of all, it's a muscle shirt, and I don't have a lot of muscles. And uh, second of all, it kind of, uh, you know, I don't like to be that noticeable throughout town. But uh, on the front, there's a picture of me holding hands with one of my daughters. And on the back, it says, homemade, and it says, number one dad. Number one dad, yeah. And then over here, I'm going to show you another one here. This is a coffee mug. Now, when I was given this coffee mug, it said, like, you know, in the office, world's best boss, it said world's best dad on it. And on the back, it had uh, my daughter's four fingerprints uh, that were pressed into it, and they had some hot Mod Podge or something they had put in over top of it. But trouble was, the first time we washed it, all that stuff came off. And so I still keep the mug because even the mug, of course, is a memory of uh, what they what they gave. And um, and then, of course, I want to show you this too. This is a, a little tiny little set of coupons that one of my daughters gave me saying, this is, this is some things that I could do for you, dad. I could walk the dog anytime, any day. And that was good for one week. I was also told <laughs> that, uh, uh, she would be my personal stylist, which meant she'd look after my outfits and my hair and my accessories. Again, that was for any day, any time, uh, a coupon for counseling. <laughs> 
uh, a whole yard work. There was a whole bunch of things in there. Uh, these are pretty uh, special gifts. I'll just show you one more, but this is one. Uh, Sally, uh, can, my wife Sally can knit, and she, she uh, spent a lot of time and energy. Uh, she's knit me a couple sweaters over the years, but she knit me this, this sweater as well, and it's, of course, very, very special. These are very precious and special uh, gifts for me. Now, what makes them such meaningful gifts is the question, and here's the answer. The best gifts always celebrate or commemorate a relationship. Gifts are priceless when they're personal. And that's how you give more at Christmas. You give more relational gifts. Here's uh, another shot of Greg Holder. The counterbalance to that is give more, which you're absolutely right in suggesting mm-hmm. that that sounds like a contradiction. What we're saying is to give more relational gifts. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's go back to the story. The most relational gift we've ever been given is Jesus, our Savior, who takes on flesh and blood. You, we, we can all go to the scriptures. For God so loved the world, he gave, he gave his son. Mm-hmm. So there's an incarnational aspect to this. And what that means is that we begin to think through how do we give relational gifts? You're going to hear the word relationship a lot during this sermon. So if you're taking notes, just write down relationship and you're done. Because isn't it true that, that when God came to provide a solution to all the world's problems, he did not give us some material thing, but he gave us a relational. He gave us a relationship with his son, Jesus. It's the most personal gift anyone could give. And if you want to dig deep into that, there's no better place for us to do that than in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, which we did read together. It's a little complicated, but let's just read through a little more uh, together, okay? We read that in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, yes, in the very, very, very beginning, go back to the very beginning, in the beginning was was what? what? What possibly was there at the very, very beginning? Well, we read here, at the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the Greek word logos is translated here as word, but it can also mean thought, can also mean truth. In the beginning was the truth, in the beginning was the thought. But what John goes on, What John goes on to tell us in the rest of his gospel, of course, is that this word that was there at the very beginning was not some idea. It wasn't some force. It wasn't some philosophy. This word at the very beginning was relational. It was personal. He goes on to tell us that in the beginning, there was this living personal being, and he even tells us who the name of that being was. It was Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. In other words, if you were to pull back the curtains of the universe and look deep into where it all came from, yes, you might see a Big Bang theory, and you might see the physics equation, but really, at the heart of all reality is a personal relationship between a father and a son. In fact, the father and the son are so closely connected that where Jesus says that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because relationally we are one. And so just catch this with me. At the, in the very beginning, in the very beginning, you have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. These three 
beings constantly giving to each other, constantly in relationship with each other in love. This is so important for us to remember at Christmas. I don't know if maybe you've not thought about this, but Jesus is not just the baby in the manger, right? Jesus is also the creator of the universe. He was the one who flung the galaxies into their place. He's the one who holds all the galaxies in his hand. And you might say, well, how can that possibly be? How can it be? It's because Jesus did not come into existence on Christmas morning. Yes, he was born a baby. And yes, he was born in a manger and laid in the cradle. But understand this, he's always existed. He's always existed in perfect relationship with his father. And that brings us to one of the most amazing verses in all the Bible. I think you should memorize this one for sure. The word became flesh. This word became flesh and it dwelt among us. The creator of the cosmos was given to us. He came to be with us, uh, to live with us, to be one of us. Talk about a relational gift. The gift that God gives on the very first Christmas is himself. Did you hear that song we just sang? We said, word of the Father, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. I love the way the Message Bible translates this. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God put on skin and bone and eyelashes and toenails and came out of eternity and gave himself to us so we could feel him and know him and love him and follow him. Tim Keller says, Jesus wasn't just born, he was given. And theologians have a fancy word for this. They call it the incarnation, carne, carnivore, uh, meat, flesh. So incarnation means that God, the God of all creation, puts on meat. He puts on flesh. He's born as a human baby. And suddenly the God of the universe that was out there is now right here. Talk about a relational gift. So here's what I'm thinking. When it comes to Christmas shopping this year, what if this Christmas we took our cue from God himself and gave relationally, gave ourselves to others, just as Christ gave himself to us? What would it look like practically if this Christmas morning you gave a different kind of gift Uh, I want to suggest three practical ways we could do this or think about this um, that you can give relationally this Christmas. The first way I want to suggest to you is we can make sure that our gifts we give are really, really personal, right? We, We look in John's gospel and we read, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to, to who? To you. A savior has been born to Tracy. Savior has been born to Georgia. Savior has been born to Chris. Very, very personal. Most Christmas gifts are not that personal. If I were to ask you to turn to your neighbor, I'm not going to, and say, tell me three gifts you got last Christmas, most of us would have a very hard time trying to remember. Why is that? Why can't we remember a gift that we got 12 months ago? It's probably because we got another shirt. We already had a closet full of shirts. We all get this stuff for Christmas that is instantly forgettable because it's material and it's not relational. 
In contrast, relational giving means we pour ourselves into that gift somehow. Uh, so let me just give you an example. For this, this book here um, that my kids gave me was a very relational gift. Now, I will say to you, uh, for you, this book is worthless. You, you, this has no value to you. To me, this book is priceless. Uh, I, this, I would never part with this, right? Because, and I'll tell you why, because it wasn't made for you. It was made for me, very personally made for me. Or what if I was to take the sweater as another example? Um, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Sally actually put a tag on this sweater and it says, for you, Rob, for you with love, right? Now, t- first of all, I married up didn't I? Like that, that's pretty sweet. I gotta, I gotta say, but uh, most of us, when we are looking at tags on sweaters in a mall, we're looking for Lululemon or we're looking for Calvin Klein or Ralph Lauren or something like that, something expensive maybe. Uh, but, but you're not going to find anything personal like that. Uh, but because this is personal, it is priceless. Um, you're never going to find this sweater in Value Village. Just about everything else I own will one day be in Value Village, but this will not be in Value Village. So listen, God's gift to us is very, very personal, given to show you that he cares for you. So what if you took some time this December, and you didn't just buy something easy from the mall, but you actually gave some creative thought to the other person, who they are, exactly what they care about, and and give them something personal that speaks to them. That's the first way we can do that. The second way that we can can give more is to give our presence. Think about it again. God's gift of Jesus was the gift of his presence. Oh, whoops. It says there that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, it's the gift of presence. This is a breakthrough. I hope you understand this is a breakthrough in the Bible because I think beforehand, people knew about God and people knew God's name even, but they had never seen God's face. And suddenly in the face of Jesus, God has a face and a voice and a presence. And when Jesus walked the earth, he loved being present with people and people loved being present with Jesus as well. So what if this Christmas, you gave the gift of your presence P-R-E, present with a C-E, not a T-S. Presence, meaning spending time with those you love. This Christmas, is there someone that you love that is craving the gift of your presence? And, And just the act of you showing up to be with them would be the most memorable and meaningful thing you could do for them this season. Again, let me take it back to a couple of these gifts. Uh, the gift of this apron kind of reminds me of, of the gift of presents because every year, actually we just did this last night, we get together as a family and we bake uh, Christmas cookies and Rice Krispie squares and haystacks and all that stuff. And so while it's an apron, it's a physical thing, it's actually a symbol of how we as a family kind of get together and share our presence with each other. Um, also, even this muscle shirt, which does not get much use, as I said, but um, it has on the front, I know it's got a picture of me holding hands with my daughter. That is a sign that this is really a gift about how important the presence is to each other. Yeah, I, I heard about one family that was doing the Advent conspiracy and um, 
the father got really kind of uh, upset because he, what he did is they, they spent a lot of money. They went down to Disney. Now, that's not spending less. That costs a ton of money to do that. But the idea was, oh, we'll spend time together. And so when they got back, the father, you know, asked the son, you know, what was your favorite part? Was it Magic Kingdom? Was it Epcot? Was it Animal Kingdom or whatever? And the boy said that um, his favorite part was the hotel pool just swimming in the hotel pool. And the father was furious. He was like, I could have, the hotel pool, we could have gone to River Grove and done that, right? We didn't have to go down to Florida. But why did his son love being in the hotel pool with him? Because he got his dad's presence in that time, right? He was off of work. He was fully present, spending time with his child. Question, is there someone in your life who is longing to experience your presence this Christmas? Rather than get them more axe body spray or whatever, brainstorm some ideas about giving them the gift of presents. Check out this idea, again, from the Advent Conspiracy. One of the classic gifts, and it's in the book uh, that we wrote that uh, eventually, when this really started to take off uh, Mm -hmm. globally, Zondervan asked us to write a book. And so in the book, we talk about a young man, I, I think he was in his 20s, if I'm remembering right, He gives his dad a bag of coffee beans. And you're like, okay. I mean, so dad liked coffee, right? Okay. He spent less. No, he gave more because there was a note accompanying the gift. And it said, dad, you're only allowed to grind the beans and to drink this coffee down with me. And however long it takes, however many times we have to sit down as we go through this bag of beans, I want you to tell me stories of how you became the man you are. I want to get to know you at a different level. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, speaking of coffee, while I was even working on my sermon this week, I was in Tim Hortons and there was a group of people at the table beside me and they obviously had not seen each other in a long time. They obviously were getting together for Christmas and they were sitting down and they were just, just for the cup of coffee, for the cost of a cup of coffee, they were giving each other the gift of their presence and they seemed to be delighted to be together. So let's resist buying the easy thing or whatever's on sale and let's think about giving the gift of presence. Finally, God's gift was personal. It was a gift of presence. But thirdly, this is where it gets a little confusing, it was also very pricey. Coming to be with you cost Jesus everything. Because when Jesus leaves his father's side, look at this, he leaves behind splendor. He leaves behind the majesty of heaven. This is a pricey gift in that sense. He made himself nothing. It cost him even more if you continue to follow the story, because he ultimately gives his life to you and to me. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what did giving relationally cost Jesus? The answer is it cost him everything. So just understand this. At Christmas, when we are saying give relationally, uh, it will also be costly. It's not costly in the sense that you're spending money, but you're spending yourself, you're spending your time, you're spending your energy, you're spending your creativity. It's a real sacrifice to make a gift more relational. You can't just go to the mall and say, oh, bath bombs, buy two, get a third one free, and you chuck them in your cart, right? If you want to give truly relational gifts, you've got to pay the price with a bit more time. Just case in point, I want to show you one of the gifts in here. Remember, I I mentioned that my daughter gave me these little coupons. Uh, All of these require her time, especially this one. I want to show you one she said. She gave me a coupon that said, a free drink, okay? 
coffee, tea, juice, or smoothie. But then on the back, you know what it says? Unlimited. <laughs> unlimited free drinks. Free. So technically, if I were to redeem this, I could redeem unlimited smoothies for the rest of my life. That is an incredibly costly gift when it comes to time and energy. Hey, and if you like that idea, we've actually printed out these blank gift vouchers that you can pick up at the resource table afterwards. And maybe you give one of these this Christmas. You can, you know, with a different act of service, maybe it's for free babysitting, or maybe it's for yard work, or, or folding laundry, or cleaning the garage, or whatever the case may be, making infinite smoothies, right? There's a way to give our time that's very costly. These things all take time. They all take time. And remember, time is really the most valuable thing we have to spend anyways. So there you have it. There you have it. The three ways we can give more this Christmas, even if we spend less. But I know you're saying, Rob, there's like eight days left till Christmas. I've already bought a bunch of stuff. What are you doing to me? And that's okay. That's okay. Just think of it as baby steps this year. Why not try to do this, what I've kind of talked about, just for one person this year? Say, one person on my list, I'm going to give a gift uh, relationally. Two. And next year, maybe it's two. And the year after that, maybe it's three. Uh, yes, here at the Advent Conspiracy, our goal is to change the world this Christmas, but, but that can actually happen little bit by little bit. So please don't be overwhelmed. At the same time, though, I want to say, if you're ready to do Christmas differently and give yourself fully to others, go for it. Give personally, give the gift of your presence, and don't be afraid to give a pricey gift that costs some of your time and energy. Because when you do this, you know what you're doing? You're reclaiming the incarnational heart of Christmas. And you are going to leave your friends and your family and your neighbors with a gift that they'll remember not just next year, but they'll probably remember it 10 years from now. And as we give ourselves, do you know what else we're doing? they're going to get to see Jesus up close and personal in our lives through our presence. And that kind of gift truly is priceless. So thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to our sermon. We are so glad that we can share our message with you. And we hope that you're inspired to put relationships first in your giving this Christmas. Today's sermon was taken from the December 17th, 2023 service at Trinity Church Streetsville in Mississauga, Ontario.